Chapter Twenty Seven of Oscar Wilde: His Life and Confessions. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Martin Geeson. Oscar Wilde: His Life and Confessions, by Frank Harris. Chapter Twenty Seven: A Last Word. It was the inhumanity of the prison doctor and the English prison system that killed Oscar Wilde. The sore place in his ear caused by the fall when he fainted that Sunday morning in Wandsworth Prison Chapel formed into an abscess and was the final cause of his death. The operation Ross speaks of in his letter was the excision of this tumour. The imprisonment and starvation, and above all the cruelty of his jailers, had done their work. The local malady was inflamed, as I have already said, by a more general and more terrible disease. The doctors attributed the red flush Oscar complained of on his chest and back which he declared was due to eating mussels, to another and graver cause. They warned him at once to stop drinking and smoking, and to live with the greatest abstemiousness, for they recognised in him the tertiary symptoms of that dreadful disease which the brainless prudery in England allows to decimate the flower of English manhood unchecked. Oscar took no heed of their advice. He had little to live for. The pleasures of eating and drinking in good company were almost the only pleasures left to him. Why should he deny himself the immediate enjoyment for a very vague and questionable future benefit? He never believed in any form of asceticism or self-denial, and towards the end, feeling that life had nothing more to offer him, the pagan spirit in him refused to prolong an existence that was no longer joyous. "'I have lived,' he would have said, with profound truth. Much has been made of the fact that Oscar was buried in an out-of-the-way cemetery at Bagneux, under depressing circumstances. It rained the day of the funeral, it appears, and a cold wind blew. The way was muddy and long, and only half a dozen friends accompanied the coffin to its resting place. But, after all, such accidents, depressing as they are at the moment, are unimportant. The dead clay knows nothing of our feelings, and whether it is borne to the grave in pompous procession, and laid to rest in a great abbey amid the mourning of a nation, or tossed as dust to the wind, is a matter of utter indifference. Heine's verse holds the supreme consolation. Immerhin mich wird umgeben Gottes Himmel, dort wie hier, und wie Totenlampen schweben nachts die Sterne über mir. Reader's Translation 
after all god's heaven will encircle me there as here and like burial lamps the stars at night will hang shining over me oscar wilde's work was over his gift to the world completed years before even the friends who loved him and delighted in the charm of his talk in his light-hearted gaiety and humour would scarcely have kept him longer in the pillory exposed to the loathing and contempt of this all-hating world the good he did lives after him and is immortal the evil is buried in his grave who would deny to-day that he was a quickening and liberating influence if his life was given over much to self-indulgence it must be remembered that his writings and conversation were singularly kindly singularly amiable singularly pure no harsh or coarse or bitter word ever passed those eloquent laughing lips if he served beauty in her myriad forms he only showed in his works the beauty that was amiable and of good report if only half a dozen men mourned for him their sorrow was unaffected and intense and perhaps the greatest of men have not found in their lifetime even half a dozen devoted admirers and lovers it is well with our friend we say at any rate he was not forced to drink the bitter lees of a suffering and dishonourable old age death was merciful to him my task is finished i don't think anyone will doubt that i have done it in a reverent spirit telling the truth as i see it from the beginning to the end and hiding or omitting as little as might be of what ought to be told yet when i come to the parting i am painfully conscious that i have not done oscar wilde justice that some fault or other in me has led me to dwell too much on his faults and failings and grudged praise to his soul-subduing charm and the incomparable sweetness and gaiety of his nature let me now make amends when to the sessions of sad memory i summon up the spirits of those whom i have met in the world and loved men famous and men of unfulfilled renown i miss no one so much as i miss oscar wilde i would rather spend an evening with him than with renan or carlyle or verlaine or dick burton or davidson I would rather have him back now than almost any one I have ever met. I have known more heroic souls and some deeper souls, souls much more keenly alive to ideas of duty and generosity. But I have known no more charming, no more quickening, no more delightful spirit. This may be my shortcoming it may be that i prize humour and good humour and eloquent or poetic speech the artist qualities more than goodness or loyalty or manliness and so overestimate things amiable 
but the lovable and joyous things are to me the priceless things and the most charming man i have ever met was assuredly oscar wilde i do not believe that in all the realms of death there is a more fascinating or delightful companion one last word on oscar wilde's place in english literature in the course of the narrative i have indicated sufficiently i think the value and importance of his work he will live with congreve and with sheridan as the wittiest and most humorous of all our playwrights the importance of being earnest has its own place among the best of english comedies but oscar wilde has done better work than congreve or sheridan he is a master not only of the smiles but of the tears of men the ballad of reading jail is the best ballad in english it is more it is the noblest utterance that has yet reached us from a modern prison the only high utterance indeed that has ever come from that underworld of man's hatred and man's inhumanity in it and by the spirit of jesus which breathes through it oscar wilde has done much not only to reform english prisons but to abolish them altogether for they are as degrading to the intelligence as they are harmful to the soul what jailer and what jail could do anything but evil to the author of such a verse as this this too i know and wise it were if each could know the same that every prison that men build is built with bricks of shame and bound with bars lest christ should see how men their brothers maim indeed it is not clear that the man who in his own wretchedness wrote that letter to the warder which i have reproduced and was eager to bring about the freeing of the little children at his own cost is far above the judge who condemned him or the society which sanctions such punishments the ballad of reading jail i repeat and some pages of de profundis and above all the tragic fate of which these were the outcome render oscar wilde more interesting to men than any of his peers he has been indeed well served by the malice and cruelty of his enemies in this sense his word in de profundis that he stood in symbolic relation to the art and life of his time is justified the english drove byron and shelley and keats into exile and allowed chatterton davidson and middleton to die of misery and destitution but they treated none of their artists and seers with the malevolent cruelty they showed to oscar wilde his fate in england is symbolic of the fate of all artists in some degree they will all be punished as he was punished by a grossly materialized people who prefer to go in blinkers and accept idiotic conventions because they distrust the intellect and have no taste for mental virtues all english artists will be judged by their inferiors 
and condemned as dante's master was condemned for their good deeds per tuo ben far but it must not be thought that oscar wilde was punished solely or even chiefly for the evil he wrought he was punished for his popularity and his pre-eminence for the superiority of his mind and wit he was punished by the envy of journalists and by the malignant pedantry of half-civilised judges envy in his case overleaped itself the hate of his justices was so diabolic that they have given him to the pity of mankind for ever they it is who have made him eternally interesting to humanity a tragic figure of imperishable renown end of chapter 27 recording by martin geeson in hazelmere surrey end of oscar wilde his life and confessions by frank harris